And welcome everyone to the Films of the Women of My Life. My name is Brennan, and joining me tonight is Nicole. Greetings. And Mama Kay. And salutations. Oh, <laughs> uh, playing off each other. Very nice. Yes. And tonight we are doing the much awaited, unbearable weight of massive talent. It's much awaited, uh, you know why? Because it's a Nicolas Cage movie, which we haven't done any Nick Cage movie since the National Treasure Reviews, I think. That's ah. been our only four way. Those are a little more uh, uh, polished, mainstream, reserved. We finally get to see Cage do Cage things as I've wanted for a long time because I am a very big Cage fan, one of my favorite actors. Um, no one, no one like him. Uh, and I, I've been looking forward to this for years. It's a COVID delayed movie, so finally it made it out. Uh, did you guys? What you guys know about this going in? I know I've talked about it, but anything else? Uh, yeah, I knew that there was a Nick Cage movie starring Nick Cage about Nick Cage. And this actually goes a little further once you actually watch the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew about this a while ago. I remember talking to my friend at work about it, too, when he was really uh, interested in seeing it also. So we've been talking about it for like a month or so. Um, but I just knew it was going to be some stupid thing that he made so i was excited to see what it was <laughs> sorry, sorry i had to get to my page this creatively unfulfilled point. and facing financial ruin the fictionalized version of nicholas cage must accept a one million dollar offer to attend the birthday of a dangerous superfan. uh so this stars nick cage as a fictionalized version of himself as well as another character called nikki cage which we can talk about we don't want to give anything else away because spoilers uh pedro pascal sharon horgan tiffany haddish ike Barinholtz, and neil patrick harris it is in 89 percent as of this recording on rotten tomatoes uh mm. it is in the high 80s and 8s on the other sites the user scores so it's uh overall it's like a 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10 people liking this one. Um, so, one of his more well-reviewed movies uh, in the past several years, other than Pig, which... Oh, Pig! We did do Pig. Huh, we, we did, did do Pig. But that's another, but that's another, not, that's another like, it's like a prestige Nicolas Cage as opposed to, uh, you know, Letting Loose, um, which he gets to do a little bit in this one. Conair. So, uh, yeah, we, we haven't done any, we haven't done The Rock or, uh, or, oh, Face Off, he gets real wild in Face Off, or any of his low-budget pieces of shit movies, which I also watch, and uh, some good moments, like Oops, They're Dead. Nope. Uh, which we'll talk, talk about another time. Um, or not. The bearable weight of massive talent is in theaters now. I think that's the only place currently where you can see it. So if you have an interest, uh, it's there. It's there now. So we are going to spoil it, and it starts with Hollywood actor Nick Cage, and he's struggling with his career after being passed over for a lot of major roles. That's kind of our introduction. He's just going for this big role, uh, and uh, he is uh, trying to go over the top and be uh, too much, as he typically does, uh, <laughs> forcing himself onto the director with his monologues and his uh, knowledge of film. And then ultimately, uh, they're like, no, we're going in a different direction, Nick. Um, so he's he's feeling down on himself. He gets this offer, though, uh, for a million dollars to go and 
be like a guest appearance at this rich guy's place in Spain. Um, and at first she's like, no, I'm an artist. I'm an actor. I don't, I'm not going to turn this down. Uh, but after some more conversations with his agent telling him he's broke, his wife who, or ex-wife who is, uh, has, they have a daughter together and that relationship is strained because Nick Cage is a complete narcissist and stumbles in drunk to things and, uh, is just a kind of thorn in the side to everyone in his life that he supposedly cares about. Uh, he decides I will take this one job to pay off my debts and, and I will be retiring from acting. And then he meets Javi who is played by Pedro Pascal. He is the rich billionaire that he's going to go and hang out with for his party. And they hit it off. They, uh, uh it's awkward little rockiness at the beginning, but uh, eventually they become very close buddies and uh, they have uh, quite the influence on one another. Very bromancy. Uh, and then uh, all the while, there is a large drug plot going on on Javi's side and on Nick Cage's side. He's got uh, Ike Barinholtz and uh, Tiffany Haddish, who work for the CIA, apparently. And uh, they're going right. to use him as their mole. So that's the plotty plot stuff. Uh, is those is those kind of stuff, but uh, the core of the movie is Nick Cage uh, reliving some of his best moments, getting to play with stuff a little bit, and this bromance with him and uh, Pedro Pascal's hobby. So that is unbearable weight. That's what's going on. Mama K, what did you think of this movie? I I don't think I've laughed this hard in a theater in a long time. Like. Oh, wow. That is quite the glowing response. It actually is. I was kind of surprised. Actually, I was told to keep it down by your father uh, a little bit. He told you to keep it down? Yeah. I mean, I really thought this was going to be a a bit of a jam for him, right? I mean, he he tends to like those Con Air, The Rock, especially kind of movies. And um, yeah, and I was just... I. Especially when we get to the part when he gets to uh, Mallorca with Javi and he and Pedro Pascal, I want them at my six people dinner that I'm going to, you know, who would you invite to dinner? (laughs) I wouldn't want them separately. I don't know that I wouldn't want them separately. I wouldn't want Nick Cage separately. But I think the two of them together, they're my favorite bromance right now. They are my one true, true pairing right now. I love them. <laughs> so for the first part, first, I liked the first part of this movie. And when, when we're, when they're talking to, when we, you know, established that he's a narcissist, which I mean, okay, he's staying at the Chateau Marmont or, and, or he's staying at, where's he staying at the Hollywood something or another. And he does this thing at the Chateau Marmont with the, the producer, like, I'm really going to get into this movie, but you're not going to get in. Cause you're just too much. You're too Nick Cage. Um, mm-hmm. I like that, but I real once they get to Mallorca and Pedro Pascal is brilliant, 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 brilliant in this. And they just, there's a scene that shouldn't be as funny as it is when there's a couple of guys that are sitting on a bench. Oh yeah. That's the hardest think, laughs in our theater. Oh that my was God. The hardest laughs in our theater. <laughs> and it lasts too long. It does. It lasts too long and it doesn't even matter because it's so damn funny. Um, and I was laughing out loud at people. Everyone was laughing out loud. Um, I laughed a little too much, I think, but that's okay. Um, so there was, a, I enjoyed it very much up until that point when they were like super high driving on the highway and yeah, it was good. Um, and then things shift a little bit so we can talk about that. All right. We're very positive starting. Uh, Nicole thoughts on unbearable weight. 
Hmm. Well, I knew this would be a overly indulgent film on Nick <laughs> Cage's behalf. Um, I didn't know how much, and it it kind of sat at a level where it didn't go do too much for me, which was good. Um, I think that he kind of knocked himself down a couple pegs, which was pleasantly surprising. Um, I don't think he really made himself as much of the star of the show as it could have been. While he obviously is, it's not like him berating other people for not thinking he's the best thing alive and all, which was <laughs> how I really thought it was going to go. Given <laughs> uh, given the title. Um, right. So I... I wasn't sure what to expect. I actually thought it was something a little bit different just from what I knew before. So this was a little bit more detailed and in depth than what it, I thought it was going to be. So at least that kept the story going a little bit. Um, I cannot say that I've had, I, I had the same reaction that Mama <laughs> K did in terms of the laugh factor. I don't think I laughed a lot. I don't remember. Did I laugh a lot? You laughed a you laughed uh, like a yeah, three, three or four times. There were also times though you looked at me and said, "Oh my god!" With the hardest eye roll in the world, <laughs> I think Nikki Cage did that to you. Yeah, uh, where you you seem almost disgusted by this by the the sight of Perhaps. Nick Cage's nineteen nineties version of himself. That that's kind of where we get into the okay. This is o- over the top. It was a little creepy. I'm going to um, be honest with you. I yeah, I I, well, actually, I'll be honest. I didn't know if that was a character from previous movies. I couldn't. I didn't know if that was supposed to be someone he played before. Most of the um, notes say a uh, younger, wild at heart era of version of himself. So, wild at heart is David Lynch movie where he plays like a, a an Elvisy kind of version of himself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, very loud, but early, early nineties. Yeah, yeah, very obnoxious. Yeah. Ver- the yes, yeah, young obnoxious the memeable stuff. Yes, before he. Be- be- Early, I think uh, memeable stuff is more now that he's terrible. This is kind of like before oh, he became. He was, this was like he was still trying. He, this is early career. This is like after he's a kid, but before he's leaving Las Vegas yeah, and I, then a movie star. This is like his experimental his, uh, story, phase. So. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm not. I'm not up to to date with his um, life <laughs> achievements. So, um, in the film genre. Yeah. I try not to hold that against you, but, uh, you know. I do know that he does some weird shit, and he's got his, like, his New Orleans, New Orleans plot and all that stuff, so that's really weird stuff about him. And they show that a little bit when we f- encounter a shrine. Um, <laughs> so that sentence that. right there should, should kind of explain what the movie is like. <laughs> um, I will give it an okay right now based off of just where we're at i mean i don't know how you're going to persuade me into thinking something better but we'll see here we go uh the 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 beginning is good the beginning is uh good and kind of what i was expecting and tone and how he was acting um he a uh, little back before we go further this isn't like his baby this is writer director tom gormican's baby he uh re- he has rejected this movie three or four times uh on his his and the director's own account only until the he sent him a personal letter like begging him to do it and then eventually he took it because he will take anything as we've noted um so eventually he got him to do this but he was not 
eager to play this role. And Nick Cage also claims, uh, this is a fictionalized version of, my, of myself that bears little resemblance to my off-screen personality, which I find a, oh. a tad hard to believe. Yeah. But, um... That's this is what he this is what Nick Cage uh, Nick Cage claims. Um, not that he went anywhere. Uh, it nah. then the middle then not a then the middle half hits the mid, I call it half because it's the bulk of the movie and him and Pedro Pascal is so wonderful. Oh it's my so god, wonderful. so it's good, shockingly great. Like it, him and Pedro Pascal together is the most wonderful, lovable, rootable. When they got when they in the third act, they literally like they do a little fourth wall breakingness in the in the beginning in the yeah. movie when we find out the real because Javi's supposed to be this big drug lord, but we find out the real thing behind that. And Nick Gage is supposed to be working for the FBI, and he's you know bumbling and. Honestly, the agents are too. I thought we were going to go yeah. with a different, a different reveal at the end because I knew I knew we had to have some sort of weird twist reveal at the end because the movie's so meta. I was like, there has to be some sort of meta reveal, and it's it's like seventy five percent of what I was expecting. But we'll get there. Um, but the moment where the two of them have to drive to the middle of nowhere <laughs> and they both look at each other and they like know what they have to do to each other, they have to shoot each other, and they. Sh- switch the shoes and like i i was i was actually almost legitimately in tears i was like i don't want you guys to fight each other like no go watch paddington 2 again which i had just recently seen it is an incredible movie they are right the hobby's right it's one of the best movies i've ever seen four and a half out of five stars which is what movie are you talking about paddington 2 that's the whole paddington 2 i know there's there's two non-Nick Cage movies that constantly get referenced in here. Yes. And that's Paddington 2 and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Right. Which is a, a, a piece of shit hipster movie from like 100 years ago. It's I in black and white. Nicholas Cage was in Paddington 2. He wasn't. He's not. So these are the only two. Those are the only two movies that come up that aren't Nick Cage. Because uh, right. a lot of movies get referenced in this. There's a yes. lot of yummy little Easter eggs for people like me who have seen the vast majority of his filmography. Uh, but those are two movies that to get referenced constantly that he's not in but it oh the middle stuff is so good then the third act comes and it has to be a regular movie yes it's it's not terrible it's just so much not as fun as the rest it's so like it's such a whimper to go out on and then we get the very final denouement twist ending that i like i said i saw like 75 percent called um they do it in a somewhat clever way and it's it's you know it's it's fine, but the, yeah the third the third act after they have their little moment where they switch the shoes, and then and then they have to do like like action comedy spy stuff, and it's not as good as them hanging out in the middle, and even even some of Nick Cage's like half ass spy work in the middle is okay. Pedro Pascal's Fruit Loop scene is okay. Like the middle is just where all the fun is, and then it has to become blah action movie at the end yeah because that's what but it's in the still... beginning that it shouldn't be an, an action you know this guy's this guy writes you forget the part where he's writing a script and that's the whole reason yeah pedro pascal is like writing a script yeah, wants him to writing. read the script right what if we write a script together like you know yeah right. that whole thing but they don't want it to be like a regular you know cops and robbers kind of movie and then that's exactly what it falls into explosions car chases right yeah right which is the part of the meta aspect like there's there's a lot of there's a super 
like as they're in quotes writing the movie, some other stuff is happening, and then some of it's the exact opposite to like throw you the twist. I think Nicole called it too the the shrine. I think oh yeah. Nicole also Nicole also called that one like because oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And, you guys both got it. I figured that I also figured that's what was happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because we can't like that's not how you reveal. That's like a whole part of like the kickoff is like the kidnapped daughter of some important uh president there's of a too country many pieces to this honestly uh, there's too many pieces that we're supposed to be following but that's just how i feel but that's like i, I like I, I don't know it, it, when i when i watch movies that are comedies and like there's a plot and for the most part unless they're supposed unless like the plot is like the major thing it's more like oh just remember that this is supposed to be a good guy this is supposed to be a bad guy He's generally doing a thing. Like he's looking for a he's looking for a girl. The girl's kidnapped. I don't know where she's from. I don't know the political backings. I I just know he needs to find her. And right. he the only reason he cares is because I see my daughter because we have the estranged daughter. The details beyond that aren't aren't super important. Yeah. Um they're not, yeah. but that's that part of the movie pales in comparison so much to, you know, I want these two now to become like the new buddy comedy. I want them to be in like lethal weapons. I want them to do things together as those two, as Nick Pry- Cage you, you, and you wanna, Javi. Like, what is it? Uh, Gene Wilde, Richard Pryor, and uh, yeah. Yeah, Mel, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could just, uh, I wanted to buddy, do all, buddy, buddy movies. For, all the early 80s, early to, to mid 80s buddy movies. And I would watch the hell out of those. But he has to be Nick Cage. He can't be a character. He has to be. And that's another thing. The reason this works, because uh, this director had another movie, which I haven't seen yet. I really want to watch it, even though it's got shit reviews. This other direct, this director who made it. This is only a second movie, and it's got like, the other one has like a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. What's his first but movie? I, and I can see that because everything beyond the central, <laughs> what did you say? I didn't hear. I just asked what his first Nothing. movie was. Oh, um, I'll, I'll find it while I'm talking, okay. but he, yeah, Tom, Tom Gormican is the name of the director and the writer of this. And the, like, the only thing that reason this works as well as it does is because it's Nick Cage specifically playing Nick Cage. Yeah. You can't have any other actor play themselves or play a fictional character and have this work. It's because it's people watching because this. He's, yeah. He's become such a um pop culture icon through like i don't know 30 years now i guess of people watching him and and loving to hate his stuff and he's become somebody who is so self-indulgent and so look at me i am the best actor there has ever been and you can't tell me otherwise so if we're going to make a movie, I want to be the center of attention. I want to use my first name and I want to look like the cool guy. He's the epitome of someone who would pick something like this to be, to be in. But he, I'm surprised that you say he turned it down. I don't the, that's the thing is the writer director of the movie. This is by his word, not Nick Cage's words where Nick Cage's words are, Oh yeah, he's like kind of similar to me, but like doesn't really resemble all of my, you know, nuances or whatever. But the director himself is like, I reached out to him so many times that he turned me down. And it wasn't until I like wrote him like a personal letter that he was like, after like the fifth try, he's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And like, we know he will take anything. He he makes he's, he says so in the movie because he says he loves the art, and in real life it's because he's in massive debt and needs to take every role he can get, which he will, and he does. So that's why it's more shocking to me. 
maybe it's because he does he is so narcissistic that he doesn't want anything that makes him as a person look vulnerable. But, um, I mean, while that sounds like a really good game, as I'm reading about this afterwards and I'm reading a little bit more about Nick Cage, he's never been worth less than $25 million. So uh, when we're saying he's But broke, what is worth, like... What is what is worth? Because I mean, he's he bought... got a lot of ex-wives. I'm not gonna lie. So there's a lot of he's got some damage yes, there that he has to like deal with. Um, he also they have the scene in the movie, and it's in the trailer too, and it is one of the funnier jokes where the the I think it's supposed to be the face-off version of him where he's got the two guns and he's like a wax yeah. figurine and yeah. he's and yes he what he pays for it. I'll give you 20,000. That's a Nick Cage move. In real life he does spend he bought dinosaur bones for like yeah. like, yeah, like that's several the hundred thing about him that I know of him is he just he's got his like he's already got his mausoleum plot in this part of New Orleans that was like so expensive to get. Huh. He spends his money on the weirdest shit the weird guy. Yeah. So when it's so when it comes to again net worth, yeah, he's worth twenty five million. But like, we don't really know what all his debt is, and we also don't really know what all of his actual assets are. Like that's that's got to be quite the rough estimate. He could be he could be worth way more than he thinks. Like what we think he is, but I'm guessing he's. I think he's probably one of the poorest people out there because of how much debt he's in by net worth. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's all, that's all entirely possible, but. You know, there are actors that are worth way less than what he's worth. And I'm sure they're not quite as eccentric as he is. And I see this as I see there there aren't many people that are that are as widely known as as he is and that would go into a situation like this, even though he needs it for money or whatever, for whatever reason. I mean, you're totally poking fun at yourself the whole time and. Actors have a big ego, and that's a hard thing to get past. I mean, you know, it's kind of... Actors from the old time wouldn't have done something like this. This is something that... I don't know. I, I just... It, I, 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 I find it sort of admirable, honestly. I didn't think I was going to feel this way about it, but I felt a little bit like, you know what? He doesn't behave that differently than most other people that... um are you know given things for who they are and what they and, and what they represent and particularly sports people actors politicians things like that and he's like this is a big deal to go out and put your name on a movie with a title like this and you know have it all put out there and star in it it's like yeah i mean even when he's i mean he he is initially at least at the butt of the joke it comes around by the end but like yeah, he, he has to take shots in here. And also, you know, like people forget, he's a Coppola. He's He right. was born into movies and wealth and fame. Um, so uh, that's another whole thing. But he, he doesn't trade be, on the name. I mean, it's not like he he's doesn't. Sophia. He actually, even when he was a young actor in the 80s, he's like, I don't want to be a Coppola. I don't want my name to be Coppola out there because I don't want... I want people to pick me because of me, which right. I mean, I'm sure I'm, I mean, I'm sure your your uncle could still get you into, into rooms because he fucking made some of the best movies of all time. But like, uh, like he, he he doesn't he doesn't lean on that like uh, like some others in the in the family. It's a very large acting family. Yes. Um, but uh, and also what, what uh, they make a lot of fun. They do all kinds of inside jokes. One of my favorites, the uh, his nouveau shamanic acting style. 
defeating the FBI's like tactics. He's like right. never did it, never do because that's like what he what he calls his acting style. Because when you when you watch a Nick Cage movie, especially ones where he's allowed to do as much as he wants, Vampire's Kiss for anyone who hasn't seen it is the. I think I call that the Nick Cage movie. That's like this is, is that peak. the one with this with the meme of. Uh... Him it, like smiling real creepy. Yeah, the the one yeah the one where he's got like the big plasticky smile on his face and he's sitting at a desk. Yeah. There's also he has va- chattering vampire like plastic vampire teeth. The best <laughs> memes oh and stuff are from that movie. But that's also the movie where I'm like, this is him un unleashed pure and like before <laughs> and before citizen. This is like a late '80s movie before the the cynicism of of what's happened to his life one way or the other. Before having to be the big movie star, he was id. This is like distilled, and it's uh, it, it, I like the, the all the inside. The, the shrine is great. There's a, there's the chainsaw from Mandy. That's a movie from only a couple years ago. That's from like 2018. There's I know, but he has stuff from fa- everywhere. I love it. He has stuff. He he said he met his wife on the on the set of uh, what was that fucking piece of shit movie that he said it was? It was uh, <laughs> Captain Corelli's Mandolin, oh, right, which yeah. I watched, which I watched like a year ago, just because like I watch everything he's in, no matter what. If it shows up on streaming, I watch it, and it's terrible. It's it's and it's but it's terrible. Like <laughs> it's like a big cheesy drama romance about the World War, and like he's like a. He's like an Italian like lieutenant, and he falls in love with like someone on the countryside who's I think Penelope Cruz, and he has he's doing an accent, but it's just oh it's just awful. But like that's not a movie like that was a flop. Like that was supposed to be something that was a flop. It's a, the references run deep. The references yeah. run deep in this movie for fans. And the other really that. good thing about this movie that reason it works is because Pedro Pascal is so excellent. So it, it, it excellent. works because. It works because Nick Cage is specifically Nick Cage, and because Pedro Pascal can not only keep up, but sometimes beat him out. Like he I, is, I believe he's the uber fan of Nick Cage. Like I believe Javi yes. is inside <laughs> Pedro Pascal, honestly. And I believe Nick Cage, the character in this movie, comes around to him by the end of their by the end of their hanging out together. Where at first he's he's reluctant, he's drunk, he's depressed, he doesn't want to do anything, and by the end he actually appreciates Javi as like a friend. Yeah. It's believable all around. It's so, so well done by them. Yeah. I don't like when we have to go into real movie pieces of this though. Honestly, I don't know what I, what was going to drive this if we didn't have that, you know, what, I guess what... that's part of the problem is like, like I, cause obviously the whole time I'm like, they're not going to do it, but I really would just like to watch them hang out all day and yeah. like have the trip ball scenes the scene where I, it was in the trailer but the scene where they're trying to jump the wall is so good it even it's still that funny even though i'd seen it before in the trailer and the two no, people sitting it wasn't on the as bench good. it wasn't this the wall scene wasn't as good i mean it was longer than the trailer wall scene which but it those, is still but some of those pieces were so great funny. like you know no, let me go. Oh. I don't want to be the one who, you know, kills Nicolas Cage, you know. It's like... I don't know. There, okay. And there were some also scenes that were changed a little bit in the trailer, which were smart moves, um, yeah. especially for a comedy. You do it. For people get mad when it's like a big, like a Marvel or a Star Wars, where they're like, this scene was in the trailer, but then they edited the people out. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. like I, whatever. But like for a comedy, I think it's actually better because then the scene comes with more surprise. The words are a little different or the shots, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Did you feel but there was I, a miscast in some of the, like, the, those two were great. Uh, I love Sharon Horgan in everything I think I've seen her in. She was really her. good. She was yeah, a good choice. I, I, I was surprised. Um, um, oh, yeah. That's a good show. I've seen a couple episodes. I, yeah. I don't know why I don't watch more of that. That's one where I do feel bad for not watching more. Rob Delaney. Very funny. <laughs> But she's she's good. The daughter's fine. Uh, everyone else in this movie fails for me. Having, I mean, I I like Tiffany Haddish. I like Baron Ike Barinholtz. I just didn't buy either one of them as FBI agents. I mean, in the screwy world, maybe that's why. Maybe it's a screwy world, and that's why we have to see them there. I don't know. Oh. We're on, we're onto we're onto the shitting part. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Tiffany Haddish so much. <laughs> you hate really? her so much? <laughs> I really do. I don't think she's funny. I don't think that... I think she's she's really... Um, uh, I can't even think of the word I want to say. I don't want to say grotesque, but... Just raunchy, sort of vulgar. Thing, raunchy. Uh, overly raunchy and loud. And it's not my style of c- comedy. Um, yeah, she really irks me. Um... The other guy, I mean, I've only seen him in a handful of things, so I don't really have an opinion on him. But I know when I saw Tiffany Haddish in the beginning, I'm like, oh, fucking no way. Like, I don't want to see her. But you, yeah, I think you said something. You were like, you were like oh. when you saw when she showed up at the airport, you went, oh. you groaned. <laughs> she was so subdued in this movie. She was not loud and obnoxious, um, which was a nice breath of fresh air for me because i didn't want to deal with her um she was fine i'm thinking specifically of that newest film that she has where she's she's like the sister of the pete davidson or whatever and get steals the car you know talk about the eric andre movie. oh the eric andre movie, uh, um road trip i thought, oh I, thought I thought she's very funny in road trip it's so vile that's Ugh. like a jackass style movie where she Ugh, plays oh, terrible yeah. anywho anywho um, Very funny. Yeah, so she wasn't as as bad as she could have been. But if I if I can say without anyone getting mad at me, oh. I really didn't think that Pedro Pascal oh. made any influence on me at all in this. Oh, that's. I actually I'm sorry he movie. missed for you because man, I <laughs> thought he was gold. He's so he's. Oh, he's so good, That's though. okay. But you know what? I really don't think that it's his fault because I found this movie <laughs> to be super boring and stupid. So it could, it could have been anybody. And I think I would have felt that way. It, I don't think it's his fault, but this is a really total miss for me. This movie oh, kind of sucked. No. See, that's why That's why I thought he was so good because I think if it was... If it was um, I don't know. If it was... Who's another kind of washed up 90s actor? They I, had I was, somebody. Was he's not. They had somebody else prepared to play. No, that Nick Cage. Role. I mean, oh, I'm just. I'm just saying. Like, if what if what if you had Ed Norton playing not Edward Norton, but like 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 you know I Nick Horton. I I'm like follow my premise here. I, Nick, I, I, I Edward you. Norton plays Nick Horton, the washed up narcissistic uh, Hollywood actor who's decided to walk away but gets to go for a million dollars. It's been done before by him to go and see <laughs> this. To go and see not Pedro Pascal, but um, I don't know. Pick pick another. That Sounds kind like of, it would be just as shitty as what I'm expecting. What I'm saying is that would be shitty because the strength of the because everything around. Nick Cage, I don't have Nick any. Cajun. I don't have any attachment 
to Nicolas Cage other than I really love National Treasure. And you already said <laughs> in the beginning of this that that's the most vanilla movie of any movie of his. So what does that say? It probably <laughs> is. I mean, because, b- vanilla successful. He like, yeah. uh, I think Captain, Car- uh, Ca- uh, the one I said earlier, the fucking mandolin, Captain Corelli's mandolin. That's I think that's actually the most vanilla. bland movie. That's he's like, no, that's yeah. That's yeah, not that's good. Tra- that's bad. Vanilla. I mean, he's, he's in regular stuff like uh, the family man. That's a 2000 movie. Yeah. That's a I don't very conventional be... comedy. That's a good movie. I don't want to sound like an idiot either because I'm following the movie, right? I'm, I'm watching it. I'm getting it. You are. You you were you were paying attention. You didn't fall asleep. My sister came with us. She did. And at the end of it, we get a really quick reveal of an alternate wife and, and daughter. And yes. my sister looks at me and was like, what the fuck is that? And I said... Because they're 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 playing the movie that the script is about that they wrote, which is the whole movie, and it's just like folding in on itself like a black hole at this point. It's so <laughs> overdone. Like I'm, I'm over it. And she's like, "Wow, that was really stupid." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, it was really stupid." Yeah, is that the reveal I that think, you're talking uh, about, Brennan? Think- is that what you mean by the reveal? Yes. The re- so the reveal at the very end is that. At, at some point during the movie, or maybe the whole movie, probably not oh, not the whole movie, actually, we're indicated that up until the end where there's like a final action scene where it doesn't matter, but they got to go save the girls and they're sh- shooting and a couple of lines brought back that it wasn't as terrible as it could have been in other movies. Or I still kind of liked the end. It's just it's just way worse than everything else. Yeah. But the ending reveal is that like the whole thing at some point was the script that Javi and Nick Cage wrote and uh, it premieres and it gets big applause and the movie that we're watching in the theaters is like a cheesy version because the actors are now different <laughs> he says they quote Demi Moore is playing Sharon Horgan's character now um, and then it pans up to an American flag and it's cheesy and bad um, and then <laughs> and then the families like the family Nick Cage's family like reconvenes Javi and him are friends still because I think it's I think they kind of wrote themselves into like I don't know how we get out of this scenario because the cartel's chasing them and Javi's de- Javi's down and hurt and uh, he, Nick Cage just stabbed the fucking leader guy like and then and then we see the mom and the daughter have ch- or the ex wife and the daughter have changed into the actors right. and then where we go up to the screen that's how we that's how we get out of the scenario in movie language in in you know the the, the real screenplay that was written um, and I knew I didn't know like because like I heard a spoiler I knew like conceptually this is so meta it has to end with oh this is the thing they were writing the whole time there was no right. way it wasn't like I could I couldn't think I it, I was expecting that what I wasn't expecting is that it I thought it was a big going to be a big prank of some sort or hidden camera catered camera thing on either Nick Cage or Nick Cage and Javi by the fam like I, because because Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz don't make sense as FBI people in real life. Right. It makes sense in a movie. It makes sense in a silly parody movie. But if you're trying to convince me everything else happened was real and just the last bit was not real, Right, I, it falls apart. That's where a it doesn't. Because yeah, that's the piece that doesn't make sense. Like yeah. if they were like at the, I thought at the end when there was the big standoff that the that Tiffany Haddish and Ackbar Harrell's characters would show back up. There'd be a big fake shootout thing, and that either everyone was in on, on Nick Cage and, and including Javi, 
or it was Nick Cage and Javi who were both getting played and that people were just playing them to get to get Nick out of his acting funk and to show Javi uh, it's okay to get out of his world or whatever. You know, whatever they were going to, sh- however they were going to play it. No, I was made, expecting that. They made it more simple think, than that. They yeah. Didn't, they and didn't that's, go that far into it. So uh, Tom Gormick, and by the way, the other movie he made was That Awkward Moment from 2014, which has... Yeah, I, I, I heard it's uh, Zach Efron, Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan are the main characters. Mm, okay. And uh, here's here's the tagline. Best pals Jason and Daniel indulge in casual flings and revel in their carefree, unattached lives. After learning that the marriage of their friend Mikey is over, they gladly welcome him back to the circle. And then the, they go out and, like, bang women. And, like, basically the whole movie is, like, everyone's criticisms is it's childish, dated, misogynistic humor, which uh, I can... Based on that premise, I could uh, that see that right. being the case. Yeah. Yeah. And then he they made nothing, and then he made this. And like I said, <laughs> if it wasn't the two elements that I've already pointed out being the best, it probably could have been a huge flop. But uh, it's got good reviews. It's getting good money. And uh, I think uh, we're at... Does yeah. anyone else have any points to make up for? Any bits we missed? No. I'm sorry you didn't <laughs> like it, Nicole. You you wanted to see this. You did. I did. Were, I really did. I'm sorry I disappointed you. Me once they once they hear that I watched it. Oh, how was it? I heard it was so good, and I can't oh. burst people's bubbles. I'm like, it's fine. Be honest. <laughs> tell them you didn't like it. I tell when people when people, there's a big movie comes out that I don't like. I, yeah. I tell people, oh, it sucked. It's fucking stupid. I'll tell That's them why. That's what this is for. And I I usually do tell them why. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of things, a lot of times, though, there are people like Brennan that are out there that know all of, you know, his whole litany of movies that he's done. And that always helps. Like, that's always that's like with me watching a Marvel movie with, you know, I'm I'm happy about the Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah. And so I think that that's part of it. If if you if you only you know i don't know i guess if you don't know all of his stuff or if you don't have an appreciation for how really terrible some of his stuff is and he's still making a movie about it i don't know i just think that mm-hmm. um for me just yeah the the downside was the back end of this and also i was like what to me more why <laughs> why that just makes I didn't That's even recognize saying. her. Secondary casting on this makes no sense to me. And unless at the end, I think they should have had Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz at the movie premiere. Because that would have made more sense to me. Well, in the end, I still don't know. Are they supposed to be... Are, are we constantly cutting between movie and reality in the movie? Or no is idea. everything real up until the end? Is the whole thing fake? If the whole thing's fake, then why are they only Demi Moore and Other Girl at the very end? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Right. So that's why, the, that's why the way they chose to do the ultimate reveal, which I think is the right move. I think the right move is to have it be a final meta, this was a movie. Yes. But the path they chose was like the laziest... Yes. Simplest, but still confusing way to go about it. There were yeah. better ways to do it, but I think that's this writer director who is, uh, who will probably never make a good movie again because, uh, it's, <laughs> because he, this he is got, a one off. Because Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal are a one off special thing yeah. that if you pluck that out of it, this is a, I'm with Nicole. If, if you pluck that out of this, yes. this is a boring, lazy, run of the mill 
action comedy. I 100% agree because they're they're they they are gemstones in this where they're at. They elevate the material by yeah. at least two stars. Yeah. yeah. Nicholas Cage putting his name on the front of this and calling it what it is and whatever. It's definitely a selling point to more people watching this. Right. If this were like 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 my unfinished Edward Norton and generic B B star B level <laughs> movie TV star. Matthew McConaughey. You have that movie. And it's and it's nothing because the stars don't have chemistry. The character's not real, so there's no there, there's no cult of cage connection. There's no there's just it's just a it's just sloppy and lazy looking. Whereas, the only other person they could have done this with that's con- that's like current is like Johnny Depp. He's the only other person that's alive right now. But, I think that has like a mystique sort of about him. I uh, could see him getting to that point. He just still see. He's, I don't know. Have you seen the court stuff going on? Because that's pretty. Yeah, that's currently going on as of recording. I don't know when this comes out or yeah, it's how probably going to keep going last. on. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like it's but, all weird. But like, I like weirdo fringe characters, not just like a list actors who kind of bounce all over the place, like Nick Cage. But like, I like I've I've talked about my Tommy Wiseaus and the my Neil Breens and my fucking weirdo Hollywood people who do weird shit. Johnny Depp does not interest me in the bit i don't know what it is and i like he's just like oh there's the maybe it's the tim burtonness of it all i don't like i don't love tim burton anymore either we talked that like it just there's something i don't i don't think you have a base for him. it's not the same like the base for him for me is 21 jump street like he was in the tv show and the fact that he's the person he is yeah it was 40 years ago (laughs) i know but that's what i'm saying i have a whole gamut i have a whole i have his whole his whole litany history and you know for me and so i see him as being really strange and he's already been meta i mean he played his character from 21 jump street in oh in the movie 21 jump street in the movie 21 jump street like what movie was that but like it's it's not like i dislike his performances jack sparrow is a good character no but i'm his best and like his 90s movies are pretty solid for the most part but he's the only other person that i can think of that has that sort of bizarro mystique you know, kind of about him. Uh, I don't think he has to take movies like maybe a Nick Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey is kind of an insane person. But I also mm-hmm. same thing. I don't really have an interest in him. Yeah, I don't really like watching mm-hmm. him. I don't either. I'm just saying. I'm. He's got the same. He's got the same kind of something going on. All mm-hmm. right. Okay. Um, we're we're at the end here. <laughs> unbearable weight of massive. Te- <laughs> Nicole's like unbearable cut podcast for Nicole. Uh, would you recommend <laughs> this movie? <laughs> Uh, no. I recommend they change okay. the title. Everybody keeps asking me what movie I saw, and it's like, it's the new Nick Cage movie, and they're like, oh yeah, what's the name of that? And I'm like, no idea. It's got like nine words in it. I don't know what it is. The commercials called. just call it Massive Talent, even though they, they show the whole thing, but then yeah. they just say Massive Talent. Well, I keep thinking it's like the unbearable now. lightness of being. That's what comes to me, that movie. So I'm like, I don't know what it is. Uh, but, you know, I am going to recommend this because the the ride in the middle is just too sweet. You gotta, you gotta let go of the other stuff. Everything can't be, you know, it, it's not an A plus movie, but that ride in the middle is no. A plus. It's a, yeah, I recommend it. It like, it lives up to what I thought it was going to be. It doesn't live up to my hopes and dreams because I'm such a fan. Like I, I, in my head, I'm like, there's no way this will be my favorite thing. I love vampires kiss too much. His bad Lieutenant shit is so good. Uh, National treasure, even though he's subdued, those are very fun movies. 
I love a lot of his stupid B movies too, even if it's only five minutes. Um, but I knew that this couldn't be the high right real perfection that I wanted it to be. Nah. It's still very good though, and based on like the director and writer who was pushing for this, it could have been a lot worse. Thank you, Pedro <laughs> Pascal, for keeping this on track. Thank you, Pedro Pascal. Um, it's a seriously, it's like this could have gone very wrong. It, and even and I, I don't think it could have been what I wanted. So I'm happy with it. I recommend it. Two recommends, one not recommend. My last for thing I want to say is, I think that Pedro Pascal looks like Brennan a little bit. You mentioned that a couple <laughs> times. You mentioned that a couple times, and then they make the "I have a very large head" joke, and then you looked at me. I'm like, come on. <laughs> they timed you know it. They what? timed it up perfectly. Now that Look you're saying, face. now that you're saying that, I'm thinking that Pedro Pascal is very early twenties. Yeah, his dad, his facial features, Brennan's his dad. nose shape, and skin color—they're <laughs> very similar to Brennan. It's kind of creepy. Please don't just have a mustache at any point, though, Brennan. That's just never. No, my my head. <laughs> he his head is more of the large on the like the upper cranium. Mine's just it's large everywhere, but it's also more rounded. So it's Brennan's it's not. Head is a big. It's a be- beach ball. With, with a my head would not with my my cheeks it would not work yeah, with a mustache cheeks. it would be yeah. it's the cheeks it would not work but my my current facial hair status works well enough so uh to, that, uh, that, that is right there like, I can't go clean shaven either because then I look like big baby like I have to have <laughs> I have to have some beard something otherwise bow. it doesn't look it doesn't yeah, yeah exactly that yeah <laughs> bow your yeah. Bow. <laughs> all right nicholas cage a better way to mess out in yeah. the books we still have more stuff to come up uh, i don't think we're gonna end up doing the northman because i don't think anyone wants to see that with me or would enjoy it so we're going to mercifully i'm going to mercifully spare my three co-hosts from seeing Aww. another thing they don't want to so you're welcome everybody saying i don't, don't do anything for you sorry audience who doesn't get to hear the actual wow. review um Okay. Still, still, we have tons of we have tons of stuff coming up. The schedule is not light, uh, so we'll be crushing things through in May. In the meantime, if you want to recommend stuff to us, we will put it in the list and get back to it when things die down. Films with the Women of My Life on Facebook. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Brennan underscore pod host. And you can email the show, filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Thank you guys for being on the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Till next time, this is Brendan signing off saying thanks for listening and enjoy your movies. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole Telesio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.